in Christ? Paul's like, well, then I'm in Christ. Have you read the first letter to the Corinthians? It's pretty bad, right? It's pretty bad. Now, I want you to notice this about the Corinthian church. He never challenges their salvation. He deals with them as saints in Christ who are really, really messed up. I mean, there is fornication going on. He says, of, of, of such that is not even named among the Gentiles. He said, you guys are messed up, yeah. right? But he doesn't, he lists, and, and notice this also, Cor, the Corinth, if you remember, uh, and I use this term often, but it was the vanity fair of the Roman Empire. It was vile, but God still expected believers in a vile culture to live holy, right. separated lives. It, what's that mean? It's possible. Yeah. If God, listen, God doesn't demand anything that's not possible. And it's possible. Listen, our American culture, it's getting pretty bad. Some of us are old enough to just shake our heads. And there are those that are older than us that, that I'm sure at times could weep over the condition of our nation. I, I, you look back and you think, boy, wouldn't it be nice to live in the era where the billboards didn't just uh, blast uh, uh, nakedness all over the place and alcohol and all, every vice that's all. I mean, you couldn't, you can't, you, you can't turn, hardly turn on the television or get online or do anything without something being bombarding you of something to the filth of the flesh and things like that. It is, it is a tough thing to live. But hey, the, those in the church at Corinth, they had, the, they had the temple of Artemis. They had, they, had, they had the temple of Diana. They had the open prostitution that was nothing, listen, nothing out of the ordinary for people to, to visit. They, no, listen, they, 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 this was a cultural norm to go up to that temple to those prostitutes. It was, it was all a part of their religion. And that was right in the middle that got what God saved them out of. And he still expected them to live a separated life in that. And it is possible. It absolutely is possible. Paul's saying, if you're in Christ, I'm in Christ. If you're going to go by outward appearance, if you're going to look on the outside, you're in, you're in Christ, and, and I'm good. Okay? <laughs> Thanks. Verse 8, for though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given us for edification and not for your destruction, I should not be ashamed that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. For his letters, say they, are weighty and powerful, but his bodily presence is weak and his speech contemptible. And he's going to go on from here. I'm going to stop there. I'm going to get into another uh, a division here of this chapter. So let's stop there. I'm going to have a word of prayer with you and we'll move on. Father, bless your word tonight. We ask you tonight that by the Holy Spirit, you would illuminate your word tonight to us. You would teach us by the Holy Spirit of God tonight, that you would correct us, that you would edify us, that you would encourage us. Uh, Lord, whatever the need is in the heart that's here tonight, you would meet that need through your word and through the witness of the Holy Spirit. We thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the Lord Jesus tonight. We just pray that uh, we'd be more conformed to the image of Christ when we leave here. We'd allow you to do that. We know that's your, that you've predetermined to do that with us. We know that. And we, we know that's your, your attempt. But we pray you'd help us to allow you to do that in our life. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know whose child is so unruly back there. But uh, <laughs> no, <laughs> I like it. I like the noise. I can, I can zone it out. So that's good. Authority. Paul is going to continue here in verse 8 with the subject of authority. 
And, you know, this is one of the subjects that really we struggle with the most. I don't care where you are. I don't care how advanced you believe you are, how close to God you are. And I would agree, the closer you get in your walk with Jesus Christ, the, 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 the less of a problem authority has in your life. And, uh, but I'm telling you, we all struggle with it. None of us at some points in our life don't like being told what to do. And what you'll find out is God will find the, right, the, the worst person possible to tell you what to do, right? And he'll bring some up and you're like, him, her? Uh, could you find somebody else to teach me this? Somebody, somebody I respect, right? Somebody I, I, you know, somebody besides the one who lives with me and knows every last bit about me, right? They're, what? I'm telling you, sometimes, you know what? Sherry will say something. It's like, mm-hmm. you're right. No, you're right. You're right. I don't usually say those words, you're right. No, those, because those aren't edifying to me. But, uh, <laughs> but we all know. We all know. Yeah, but we all, listen, we all struggle with authority, friend. Get it down. Why? We have the old sin nature. We have the flesh that we're still, in, still dealing with. We are still drawn away by the world, the flesh, and the devil. And, friend, we just don't like being told what to do. And uh, this is one of the great, great foundational truths of why the Bible is divine in origin. Because the last thing any human wants to write about themselves is, number one, anything negative and anything that puts them in a place to be an under authority, right? All of the religions of the world are like, you know, pull yourself up by your bootstrap. You are your own person. You've got the champion within you. You are it, you know. And God says, no, you're not. Here's the way. Walk you in it. And we go, eh. You know, I don't like this. It's authority is a problem. But here's the problem. Authority is in everything. I know this. In this room, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty confident. I'm pretty secure here in this room that most of us are at a stage of life that, listen, we understand this. It doesn't mean we, we have arrived, but we've, we understand it. A, 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 an 8-year-old, a 10-year-old, a 15-year-old, an 18-year-old, uh, they may not quite get it yet, but we're going to tell them, listen, friend, I don't care what you do. You're going to be under authority somewhere your entire life, right? You know what happens? You're going to get old and then your kids are going to lead you around and tell you what to do and tell you where to go. And that's why you just be really, really nice to them now and to get them very good jobs. And I just, I look at my son-in-laws and I think, oh, there's a possibility we're going to have a nice nursing home because they make way more money than we ever did. And this is, this is a blessing, but, uh, but they're going to, listen, they're going to tell you what to do someday. They're going to say, no, no, that's not, no, no, the, the stove is still on. You can't put the towel there. And I'm going to go, huh? You know, and I'll be drooling. And, you know, I just, it's, listen, we're all going to get there, right? And we're just going to do that. But authority is in everything. It is in government. It is in the workplace. It is in the home. Hey, it's in the church. Authority is absolutely everywhere. The, God says that the police, those, the, the government has the responsibility to restrain evil. That is the purpose of the government. And it says of those in government that restrain evil, but that, that they are ministers of righteousness executing judgment. And they're not, listen, they are not, they're, they're not a terror to those that do good, but they're a terror to those that do evil. It's, I mean, by and large, you know, 80, 90% of the time, uh, I don't have a problem with the police. Why? When you obey the law, it's fine. Yep. Yeah. You get pulled over and you say, yes, sir. No, sir. Here you go, sir. Sorry, sir. Do you know my cousin? His name is... <laughs> that didn't work, sir. <laughs> I'll take the ticket. No. Okay. Tried that to a state trooper once. I had a cousin, a retired state trooper. I said, do you know... 
And he just handed me the thing and walked off. I said, that didn't work. And, uh, yeah. Hey, authority. What, what did that authority do? You broke the law. Yeah. You're going three and a half miles over the speed limit. Well, it's three and a half miles over the 15 that I was probably doing over. But government, in the workplace, hey, friend, you're going to have a boss. I love this. I want to work for myself. Well, good. Then everybody is now your boss. Yeah. <laughs> right? I don't want a boss. I just, I just want to work for myself. Yeah, that's a great place. It's just like the kid who said, and you've heard this a thousand times, I'm, I'm tired of what my parents tell me what to do. I'm just going to go join the military. Yeah, that's a bright move. And uh, it's amazing. A friend of mine, he he did, he had that very same attitude, went and joined the Marine Corps. He ended up in Vietnam. But he said after boot camp, he said uh, his mom and dad came to his graduation. And his dad goes, oh, so you got a haircut. <laughs> it's amazing how that works, right? Yeah. You're not going to tell me to cut my hair, but the government did. Yeah. Hey, there's authority everywhere. Authority in the home. Dad is an authority. Mom is an under authority. Absolutely. When... Hey, we can go through that through the commandments and the laws. And uh, she, you, the, the dad has commandments. The mother has laws. And I don't have time to get into that today. It's very interesting. But there is authority in the home and authority in the church. Jesus is the head of the church. And this is his body. It is his head. And I'm just saying tonight that everything has authority in it. And things fall apart when authority falls apart. Listen, it's no fun. You know what? You know what's the problem with our government today? You can go right up to authority. Yep. What do you mean? I mean, they, they seem to wield their authority just fine. Yeah, but in a constitutional republic, the law is authority. And they are rejecting law. And they're becoming an authority unto themselves and they're circumventing law. And judges are doing it all the time. We don't have time for that tonight. But authorities and everything, and authorities absolutely necessary. Could you imagine a nation with no one in charge? Could you imagine a workplace with no boss? I mean, really, would anything get accomplished? Right? I heard, I heard that at some of these workplaces now they have bean bags and table tennis and roller skating and all of the. Is that true? I, I've never been in these places like like uh, Google and Amazon and and uh, Facebook. It's like uh, you know, it's like kids, you know. Play, they have video game parlors, I think. You know, I don't know if it's called a parlor. That sounds really antiquated. But anyway, and court and parlors. They got a court and parlor in there and everything else. But, uh, I, I mean, could you imagine? Could you imagine the workforce today with no authority over it? Right? And even at that, they still have safe spaces. They still have places to go in grievance because, you know, you use their pronouns wrong or whatever other weirdness that goes on today. Imagine, imagine a home with no authority. Actually, we're looking at it many times. We're looking at, uh, at authority absolutely out of place. Uh, homes upside down. You know, over in Isaiah 3, I think it's over in Isaiah 3, where God said their women and their children will rule over them. That is a home outside of, a, outside of authority. It's upside down. But let me tell you this. By and large, it's not because the women and children are like, yeah, we're taking over. It's because dad is just not leading like he's supposed to. And you know what happens? Somebody has to fill the authority vacuum. And sadly, mom ends up filling the authority vacuum when she shouldn't have to. Yeah. Amen. Could you imagine a home? We look at them. Some of those... Churches we've been in, I have large bus routes, and man, I tell you, these kids come in, and you look at a home, you look at these homes, a mess. It's sad. It's sad, all just upside down. Could you imagine a church without an authority structure? Yeah. 
anything, anything void of authority becomes anarchy. See, people believe freedom, freedom, or the real word in America is liberty, not freedom, right? Liberty is, has to do with laws. Um, but, but so many people believe, they call it freedom. They think freedom is the absence of rules. It is not. The absence of rules is anarchy. So if you have rules, you've got to have somebody in authority, right? Keeping all of that in place. Judges 21-25, remember that at the end of the book of Judges? What a twisted book. Can I tell you, America right now is the book of Judges. And it ends this way. Remember this? There is no king in the land and what? They did that which was right in their own eyes. There was no authority structure. And what was it? It was a mess. I mean, a guy's, guy's, his concubine runs off, so he goes and gets her and she dies because you know all the events there. So he cuts her up into 12 pieces and sends her throughout. One guy makes a vow and his daughter comes out. Oh, great. Yep, we'll offer her. I mean, I mean, it was just a twisted, twisted time in Israel's life. Why? Authority was messed up. Well, thirdly, if you forgot one and two, We're on number three, so it means we're moving along good. You might have think I'm just rattling here. God establishes authority. No, God is the source who establishes authority. He established human government. If you want to even look at even subscribe, I mean, I think the... The, uh, the thoughts of the dispensations are a pretty good framework of watching time and, uh, uh, in the Word of God. Uh, I'm not a, a hyper-dispensationalist by any means, but obviously you can see some, some uh, time frames here. We see innocence under the time of Adam and Eve. We see when they fell. You see the time of conscience, and they understand that, that uh, they have been separated from God. And the, the third, what some would call a dispensation, is the dispensation of human government. Now, Noah and his family stepped off the ark. Genesis chapter 9 and it is in Genesis chapter 9 that God has established that man would govern themselves before that God governed man okay and so God says now you're going to govern them and one of the things that he said if you remember remember this he said that that they were going to um, he set up the system of capital punishment whosoever sheds man's blood his blood shall be shed that's why, I hate to use this term, that's why we are, should we say pro-capital punishment? I don't know if that even sounds right. No, we're for this because it's biblical. It's not a, it's not a deterrent. That's the point. I mean, it can be a deterrent, but that's not even the point. The point is that God said if somebody sheds a man's blood, his blood should be shed. And if it doesn't happen, what did he say? The blood defiles the land, right? And America is defiled land. It is completely defiled. Just with abortion alone, it is a defiled, defiled land. But God has established authority through human government. God has established authority in the workplace. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5, he tells those with servants that they were to uh, not to serve, not, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as unto the Lord. I mean, so God has established, God has established 
authority in human government. God has established authority within a workplace. God has established authority within the home. You, this, this crowd tonight, you know, you know, Ephesians uh, 5, 22, that says the husband is the head of the wife. And you know, first Timothy three, four and five, you know, Genesis three sixteen when God told, told, uh, uh, to Eve that your desire is going to be toward your husband and he is going to rule over you. I mean, this God has established the authority structure and it is of, it is of him here. Let me say it this way. If you find that you have a problem with authority now, time out. I don't want to get ahead of myself. I'm not saying there can't be bad authority. There can be. There can be those that wield their authority unbiblically. We'll get to that in just a minute. But here's what I'm talking about. In the term of God's design of authority and structure, if we have a problem with authority, since it's from God, we have a problem with God. You have a problem with mom and dad? I mean, as a kid in the home, right? And right, you, you know, you just can't obey mom and dad. I'm telling you, that's a spiritual problem. Yep. You have a problem with, with the police, you know, you got to call them pigs and you got to call them uh, all these different type of things. Listen, you got a spiritual problem. Yeah. They're God's authority. Well, they did this wrong. Well, what if, and so do you, okay? You, you don't hit everything right all the time, do you? <laughs> Come on. You got a problem in the workplace? You have a problem with God. I'm why? I'm just talking because it's, it's his authority structure. It's a spiritual problem. But what I want to get here in chapter 10 is authority in the church. Now, the church is an organism. Not an organization. It's an organism. It's a living body. Now, there are three metaphors that Jesus uses for the church. Only three. He calls them a body, a building, and a bride. They are all what? Visible. You can see a building, you can see um, a, a, a body, and men that are married, you can see your bride, right? This universal invisible church, anybody up for an invisible bride? Now, I'm not saying that sometime, no, <laughs> yesterday it would have been all right. <laughs> no, that's not what I'm saying. No, but listen, <laughs> just, that was a joke. <laughs> They're all visible. They're all local, meaning what? They're all at a locale. You don't have, you don't have a building that is universal. Yeah, where do you work? Oh, at that universal building. Where is it? Oh, nowhere. Just in the sky. <laughs> okay, whatever. Where do you go to church? I'm a part, you ever heard this one? I'm a part of the universal church. Really? Where is it? It's universal. <laughs> right? Where, where do you go? How, how do you get there? Uh, right. No, the, the three metaphors Jesus gives for his church is a body, a building, and a bride. They are a local and they are visible. They are somewhere, right? And here's the deal. I love it. When you look at the metaphor of a body, listen, a body has a head. You get rid of the head, you kill the body. Can I tell you that's why the church will never be, never be gone? It can never be taken out. It can never be killed because our head is in heaven and nobody can get to him. Yep. Yep. And he's God. <laughs> that's Trump that one, right? <laughs> yeah. It's a body. 
a body has head, Colossians 1.18. And Jesus is the head of the body, the church. Right? So it's a body. And God chose the authority who, uh, uh, that, would, um, that would be the steward over his churches. Right. If you look at Acts 20.28, 20, I'll read it for you. While I read this, turn over to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 12. But Acts 20, 28 says this, Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his blood. Overseers, which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers. Is the Holy Ghost God? Okay. God has established that his church, his churches, not his church, his churches are to have overseers, pastors, bishops, all the same, over them. Look at, where, where did I tell you to go? First Thessalonians, First Thessalonians? Is that what I told you? To find it here. I should have, I should have turned there and had you read it. Come on, I can get it. Here we go. First Thessalonians chapter 5. Here we go, verse 12. And we beseech you, brethren, to know them which labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. So within the church there are those that are what? Over you. Over you. There's authority in the church. Who's the authority in the body? You know what I am? I'm an under-shepherd. No, he's the shepherd. I'm just an under-shepherd. And I don't want to get ahead of myself, but we'll mention that. I'll get to this here in just a little bit later. But all I am saying is this. God has established the authority structure within the church. I didn't make it. You didn't make it. You didn't devise it. He did. It's his. Okay. Now, we got all that down? We good? We all tracking? We're all on the same page? Amen? We all good? Okay. Look at verse 8 of our text. Second Corinthians 10. Verse 8. For though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, yeah, the Apostle Paul, that's pretty good, huh? Sounds like a lot of authority. Saw Jesus. He was an eyewitness of the Lord Jesus. Jesus himself stopped him and called him. Jesus himself told Ananias, I have chosen him to suffer many things for my name's sake. Right? He was chosen the Lord Jesus Christ. The church at Antioch sent him out. The Holy Ghost told the church to send him out. He was sent out. He had some authority. Look what he said. Uh, again, for though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, even those who, who, who was traveling with him, which here it is, the Lord hath given us. So Paul says, I have authority. How does he have authority? Well, he was called by the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sent out by the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sent out by the, the church at Antioch. He was, counts himself as an apostle, which we could talk about that another day, exactly, uh, specifically what that is. But he also, he has started the church here at Corinth. 
No, he started, he started the church. He's got authority here. He could pull that card. But look what he says. It was given by God. But notice this. Right? Some people are really excited about the whole authority thing. Especially some church, in some churches, pastors are super excited about authority. Right? But they, at times, this can be missed. I don't want to paint too broadly here. But we know there, are the, there have been those out there. There have been wonderful, 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 wonderful pastors out there all over the nation, all over the world um, that I tell you, they understand their authority. Uh, they understand that it's by God and they understand it rightly. And there's, yeah, there's some out there that are tyrants. We get it. I'm not talking about them. Okay. Look what Paul says. I have authority by God. Look at this for edification. Paul says, why do I have, why do I have this authority? To build up. Look at this. Not for destruction. That word destruction there is actually the same word as casting down in verse 5. I don't have this authority to start pulling apart your life. To start casting you down. To start pulling you down and throwing you in. You know, I, I heard a pastor say this. You know, sometimes the sheep need sheared. But I tell you, 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 you can shear them too close. Yeah. Sometimes it can just get vindictive. Mm-hmm. I'll show you. Listen. Listen, you pastor a little while, right? Right, brother, you pastor a little while, and you, you, you know why, you know why uh, Moses got so angry at times? <laughs> Sometimes. I mean, I mean, he's like, a bunch of rebels, stiff-necked, you know, and he's ready to kill them all, right? And, uh, yeah, I tell you what, that's not why we have authority. It's not just to kick people out. Yeah. Do you realize all the purpose of church discipline is always for rest, restoration? Some people look at church discipline just to get people out of the church, just to boot them out and get rid of them. It's not the point of it. It's always restoration. What is that? Edification. Yeah. Authority. Paul says, I have authority for, ed- for ed- your edification, not for your destruction. Not to strong arm you. Not to impress people. Not to stroke an ego, but for edification. Right. Some of us have come through that era uh, maybe maybe they meant well. I would never want to. I would never want to assume somebody's heart and and intents of why they do things. But my goodness, it seems like some of them that had the bigger platforms, the national platforms, man. It's like I told him to get out of here, you bunch of, you know. And it's like just. Rah! There's place for that sometimes, friend. But sometimes you go. I don't know if that was for edification. I don't know if that was to build up. Maybe to build up self, you know. Yeah. Good. Though I should boast somewhat more of our authority, which the Lord hath given for us for edification and not for your destruction, I shall not be ashamed that I may not seem as if I would terrify you by letters. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to, it's not why I write letters, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to edify you, I'm trying to help you. No, your life's a wreck, Corinth. You're in some really messed up stuff. And I'm trying to help you here. What time is it? We need to go. Let me, let me wrap this up. Number one, authority is to be followed. We saw that. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Look at that, would you please? 1 Timothy chapter 2. It said, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, 
intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Not just the pastor, for kings and for all that are in authority. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. You know what a mark of godliness is? A right view and reaction to authority. So authority is to be, pro- be followed, but here's the problem. Some people don't understand what edification looks like. <laughs> Some people want edification to look like butterflies and fields of lilies and, you know, and uh, cupcakes and things like that, right? Some preachers, you know, you'll preach against sin, you'll preach against worldliness, you preach against carnality, you preach against Hollywood, you preach against everything enjoyable in life, right? That's what they think. You just don't like any, do you have any fun? I'm like, I got a lot of fun, really, right? I just go to, try to go to sleep without having to worry about what was done the the day before, right? But you know, no, they think that, that that's just so, it's so negative and so legalistic and it's so ugly. But, but, but the warning, the warning against something that will destroy you is building up. Yeah. That is edification, right? Could you imagine a, 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 a blind person on their way uh, to, about to fall off of a, I don't know, a manhole cover is off. And you're like, hey, watch out, you know, and you're screaming at him and you're running and you're, you know, it's like, oh, you're so judgmental. It's like, no, the guy about fell in a hole. He can't even see it. No, that's edifying. You try to build him up, not see him destroyed, Right. Yeah. Can I tell you? I, I don't. I don't want. I don't want to see. I don't want to see people defeated by the flesh, as a pastor. I don't want to see people financially ruined. I don't want to see pe- families and people out of church. I don't want to see people given over to the world because we know what the end of it is. We know what the lives end up in. You've seen it all around you. You've, you've got maybe have family members that are living there right now and you see the destruction in their life. And all of this time, uh, somebody's tried to maybe tried to edify them and to lift them up and to help them uh, in the authority that they had. And they just said, oh, I'm not going to be told what to do. Okay, don't. The way of the transgressor is hard, might I remind you? Yeah. Here's what we realize when, whenever we get somewhere at a bad place, we have stepped over roadblock after roadblock after roadblock that God has put in front of us. And it's usually, it, it was usually an authority that has tried to stop us. And we said, meh, I don't listen to them. In Jude, I like this at the end of the Jew, at the end of Jude it says, and if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire. Right? It's both the same thing. They're they're both wanting to rescue. Yeah. Sometimes you can tell a little child, oh no, 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 don't do that. And other times you're like running after them because they're about to, you know really hurt themselves. So authority is to be followed. Number two, authority is for edification. Yes, there's tyrants in the pulpit all over the place. 
They're in Pentecostal churches. They're in Baptist churches. They're in Methodist churches. They're in Presbyterian churches. Yeah. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. They're in Mormon churches. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're not tyrants, really. You, got, you have certain underwear you have to wear, buddy. That's bad. <laughs> you got to have your holy underwear. And what, what helps that is a proper understanding of what the church is. Yeah. They don't understand what the church is. Can I tell you this is not my church? Yeah. It's not my church. It's not my pulpit. I'm just an under-shepherd. I'm just a glove. I'm just a rod. Uh, like Moses. I'm just a conduit. And God can be done with me anytime He wants to be. Yep. Yeah. And you know what will happen? He can bring somebody bigger and better. And I mean, well, that, that wouldn't be hard. <laughs> Uh, on multiple levels to be it's like 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 uh like Saul was told of David could you imagine that when Samuel came to Saul God found somebody better than you ouch and he could say the same thing to me we're stewards of God's church so authority is to be followed we all are under authority and those who are over, those who are under authority, we have to remember it's for edification. So what do you do with bad authority? What did Hannah do? Who was God's authority in Israel at that time? With Hannah? It was Eli. Do you not, do you not believe all of Israel understood what his sons were like? I mean, they were doing what they were doing. I mean, everybody knew what was going on. The Bible said the problem with Eli is he never restrained his sons. The, the problem really wasn't even, I mean, it was obviously the sin, right? But obviously he never said anything about it, right? But this was, God's, this was still God's authority. He was bad authority, but it was still God's authority. What did Hannah do? Samuel was born unto her. What did she do? She brought him to that bad authority because it was God's authority. Right. You know what God did? Killed Eli. Killed his sons. Wiped out that whole family. If I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I'd have to refresh my memory, but one of the things that kept David from taking the throne was eventually one of the last surviving members of the household of Eli was finally wiped out. And what did God do? We blessed Hannah. Watch. She, she had no children. She trusted him. She finally got the child she asked for. She trusted God, gave it back to God just like she said. Gave it to God's authority even though he was bad authority. God blessed her with more children. And God used Samuel, oh, in a mighty, mighty way. I don't have time. I've mentioned it before. But there was a time where uh, members of a church and we thought it was time to go somewhere else and it was, there, was a, there was a drift and it, it, was, it was not a good drift. It really was a drift. And we really thought it was a good thing to do to look for something that was, you know, uh, more centered and more biblical what we thought and all of these things and really thought we were doing right. 
And uh, we left that church, ended up in another church, and then took another job and ended up in another church in another state. And it was at that other church in another state that a message was preached that went, and it just, it hit me. God never told us to leave here. 